All right, guys, welcome back to another podcast on Emery on Hitch. Today, I'm once again joined by my co... Oh, I struggled on it. My, my, my co-host, there we go. Co-host, yeah. Oscar, how's it going? It's going great. Yeah, Unfortunately, I wish I... we couldn't get together for a preview episode last week, but yeah, we're going to make it up for you guys this week because we have so many fun fights to talk about, and we have very passionate opinions about those fights. 100%. And uh, I wish I didn't mess up with the intro, but yeah, my co-host Oscar Silva over there in America uh, joining me today uh, with a very important episode, I'd, I'd say. The first fight of 2022, uh, Kato versus Chikaze, and then we're going to be talking about the first pay-per-view of 2022. UFC 270 in Ghana versus Ghana is definitely not going to disappoint. And uh, if you're catching this, this is probably before the press conference. So you'll probably see this before the press conference, and then we've got a big press conference to look out for. I'm sure we're going to have uh, some entertaining quotes in that press conference without a doubt uh there may not be bad blood directly between Ngannou and Gan, but there's certainly a little bit of beef with his former coach Ferdinand Lopez Ferdinand Lopez has been taking little jabs he's even gone as far as to say Francis has an ego problem and uh yeah I feel like both men are very confident heading into this fight week and Here's the great thing about fighting. Whatever we see out there, it's the truth. And we're going to find out the truth this Saturday night. Exactly. You know, the videos of the sparring, that doesn't matter because they're getting locked in a cage. And that's that's where we can really find out, you know, who, who the better man is. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, USC fight night, Cater versus Chicago, where we found out that Kate, Calvin Cater is the better man. Yeah. My goodness. I, I told you guys on the best of 2021 episode that... I was not counting out Calvin Cater after the beating he had taken for Max Holloway. And he went out there and he proved me right. But I'm if you know me, you know I never fall in love with a pick. I will change my pick the night of. I'll change my pick the hour before because, you know, some of these fights are very close. And I actually did change my pick to Giga Chikaze two days before. And I was kicking myself watching this because... My breakdown of this fight was correct, but I picked the wrong guy in the end. I knew that Calvin Cater would perform better in rounds four and five, and he did, but that wasn't the story. Calvin Cater wrestled far more than I expected him to. Calvin Cater uh, didn't. It appeared he had no wrestling to fall back on when he was getting obliterated on the fit against Max Holloway, but this time around, Giga slips, he catches the kick, and Giga is not able to get up after he gets taken down. And he's not moving around the way he was early in the fight in the second. And that was a huge difference maker. And Calvin Cater put the pressure on him and never let up. And Giga Chikaze's toughness is definitely something to talk about here. I didn't know he was this battle-tested. Now we know. Um, and it's going to be a big lesson for Giga because Giga was ready for a title shot. And uh, Calvin Cater told him, not yet, pal, not yet. Well, the, uh, I, I had to agree with you. My pick heading into this fight, if we had spoke about it, I would have chose uh, Giga Chikaze. I thought Giga was going to go in there, put on like, a striking masterclass. But, you know, Calvin Cater said no. Uh, and I feel like investing, uh, Calvin Cater investing in that wrestling in the first round, really won in that fight. is Because uh, it, it, it it got Chikaze to slow down in the fourth and the fifth round is where, he, you know, he really took over. Uh, we saw in the second and the third, Chikaze had a little bit in there, but it, it still had a little bit of slap on his punches, but it wasn't what he had in that first round. Chikaze came out sharp. He came out quick, throwing everything with 100% power, and uh, he just didn't connect. And Calvin Cater done the smart decision to catch a kick 
take him down. Uh, and I think the wrestling uh, of uh, Shikaze trying to get up and Kata just being able to hold him down just eventually exhausted him. And uh, Shikaze knows what is now now knows what it does that he has to take to to win a fight uh, in the top five. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see where Chicago Chicago goes from here. But I feel like this is a fantastic lesson, as you were saying, and uh, he'll come back stronger than ever. Yeah, Giga Chikadze's gas tank has kind of always been a problem. He's admitted that the weight cuts uh, definitely take a toll on him the later the fight goes. And we saw it on display here, but uh, his heart is undeniable. Same thing with Calvin Cater proving his heart in a war last year. And what a bounce back for Calvin Cater. Uh, some some people really thought he was going to go on somewhat of a Roy McDonald path where after he takes a brutal beating, he really can't just get the same momentum going. I think Calvin Cater is going to stay in the top five for the foreseeable future after a performance like this. And uh, Giga Chikadze, um, the problem with him in this fight was he was worrying about that takedown. Against Ezra Barbosa, what takedown is there to worry about? That's why the guy never looked better. He was able to fight in his uh, arena and his style with the kickboxing. And uh, I remember this fight against Jamal Emers. And Giga Chikadze did not look like a world beater, to uh, to be honest. Uh, I, I didn't know. I didn't think he would end up being this high ranked after seeing that fight. And it was because Jamal Emers is a good wrestler. And uh, I, I kind of erased that from my mind heading into this fight because of all the hype, the sun fight win streak. But no, Calvin Cater reminded us that that's definitely a weakness in Chikadze's game. And that Cater's just a dog. Both men are dogs. And this is a fight of the year contender without a doubt. Well, that's it. That's the key word you said there. He's a dog. He doesn't got. He doesn't give up. He's got heart. He showed that in the Max Holloway fight, and he showed it in this one. He, you know, he got stung with uh, some, you know, heavy punches in that first round, but you know, he kept on coming, and uh, eventually worked out his game plan, and that was, you know, taken down and uh, did what he needed to do. But it's interesting to see what the UFC does next with these two fighters. I think KR has three options. I think he's got Yair, he's got Brian Ortega, and he's got Josh Emmett. I think them three there. I think they make sense. Uh, and for Shakard, say. Uh, I'd like to see, you know, the Arnold Allen fight, but I, I'm not too sure if Arnold Allen was booked or not. I think he is. Oh, oh no, yeah, Arnold Allen was scheduled to fight. Yeah, Dan Hooker. Yeah, been rumoured uh, in the works sort of thing. Not official, but we don't know whether it's happening or not. But, you know, if, if Arnold Allen can come come out against uh, Dan Dan Hooker, I think Arnold Allen versus uh, Shikaze. Yeah, there's so many great options in this featherweight division, which honestly uh, has never been cooler like, this is a great time for the featherweight division. We have so many exciting prospects. And I feel like it was kind of showcased when Max Holloway pulled out of the Volkanovski trilogy. And we saw so many people raising their hands up. We were all thinking these are legitimate uh, title contenders. But uh, I think Calvin Cater can definitely earn his way to a title shot after this, especially with Holloway. Uh, we don't know how long he's going to be out for. So who knows? Maybe even this gets him a title shot because people are talking about Giga getting a title shot. Yeah, 100%. But I, I feel like the UFC will try and uh, get him on a you know, little bit of a win streak uh, if he does get the title shot. So maybe I, I, if I'm the UFC, I book him with Yair or, or Ortega. Yeah, I think Ortega's the, the better option because he yeah. fought uh, before Yair. And uh, both guys took so much damage. But uh, I like the style matchup with, uh, with Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega historically has struggled against boxers. And uh, but we saw in his last fight, it doesn't matter who you are, he can take you to the ground and choke you out. So 
It's going to be really fun. What's next for Calvin? And we'll move on to this co-main event here. Let's be honest. This wasn't exactly the co-main event. It was more like the fight that happened before the main event. But regardless, this was a career best performance from Jay Collier, who I have been very critical of Jay Collier ever since the heavyweight move. I've questioned his discipline, and uh, I I didn't think he was going to stick around that long. But he has, and he's beating a longtime established heavyweight in Chase Sherman. Chase Sherman, ever since he got off the roids uh, after the Villanueva fight, he's not looked the same. Uh, he just doesn't really have any heart. And uh, Jake Collier proved it here. Jake was quicker, and he was 20 pounds heavier. So as soon as Jake caught the kick, he got him to mount. And uh, Chase Sherman just pretty much gave up in that position, just gave up his back. And Jake Collier, who is a legitimate white belt, Gets the tap very early into the fight and got himself a bonus of the night bonus. It was a it was a really cool finish, and I actually thought this was going to be a long, sloppy fight, and I'm glad it wasn't. Well, yeah, that's it. You mentioned that he got he got the fight to the ground and then eventually got into mount, and that the, that's that was the difference maker. Is just Collier was level above at levels above uh, Chase Sherman on the ground, and as you mentioned, a white belt. Uh, it's not a great look for Chase Sherman. You know the skiddy's on now, losing to Paul Porker now, losing to Jake Collier. Uh, you know it's, he's in a tough spot at the moment, and as you mentioned, uh, bouncing back at a BKFC then coming back to the UFC. He thought, you know, he could, he could jump straight into it, but, you know, it doesn't work like that. This is MMA, and it's uh, you can get choked up by anyone in the sport, and Jake Collier, you know, put himself back uh, back on the map. And we were talking about this before we went on air. He's like a blown-up middleweight, like heavyweight, but he's still handling himself at heavyweight. Yeah, it's very it's a kind of a testament to how some low-level heavyweights in the UFC are performing these days. Uh as Dana White always says, we need heavyweights, and uh, I feel like they need higher-level heavyweights because I, I don't think either guy is uh, traditionally UFC caliber, but uh, yeah, Jake Collier was simply the better man on the night. 100%. And uh, Brandon Royval got a close split decision over Bronterin in, in this one, and I'm I'm sure Oscar's going to have a few wise words uh, about the judges in this one. Yeah. I had no idea who the judges were going to pick in this one especially since it was a split decision. Uh, I felt like Brandon Royval did not fight the fight that he had wanted to. In fact, he addressed it in the post-fight interview that he wasn't as active as he would have hoped he was. But uh, at the end of the day, I personally did score it for Brandon Royval. Sure, Brandon was on his back for periods of time, but he was very active, and he was actually the guy doing the damage in the spot, doing landing elbows. I felt like Bontarin, uh was not trying to get the Habib-style ground pound going. The guy was just trying to hold him. And I honestly don't reward that as much. So I did give it to Brandon. And you could argue that Brandon won the fight in that third round with the arm part. Uh, I I don't know if uh, Bartrin tapped, but I know for a fact it was uh, it was in his mind to tap at the moment. He was in deep trouble. But, uh, yeah, regardless, uh, Brandon Royval really impressed me here going to a decision because he hasn't gone to a decision in a very long time in his career. So uh, that that's uh, definitely a leap for Brandon Royval. 
Yeah, it's a good experience for Brandon Roy And as you mentioned there, in that third round, was it a tap? Was it not a tap? But we do know that he was thinking about tapping. Uh, definitely, you know, it looked like he was going to, you know, going to go tap. But, you know, uh, he slipped out at the most important time. Uh, but we, we don't know what happened there. But Brandon Roy as you mentioned, uh, I, I rewarded in the fight because he was more active. Uh, Bond got the fight to the ground, but he he was just sat there, not looking to advance a, uh, to, to a, a better a better position. So Roy Val was staying more active, he was scrambling, uh, and that's what that's why I awarded him the fight, and I thought he was the deserved winner. But it was a close one it, on a different night, different judges. It could have went the other way. Yeah, well, without a doubt, uh, I don't think Bontarin has anything to be ashamed about, especially since he didn't miss weight this time. Because last time he went up a weight class and he missed weight, that was a bad look. This time around, at least he got my respect from that vantage point. And we'll move on to the rematch between Kaylin Shukagan and Jennifer Mai. This was such a confident pick on my end because these women already fought like less than two years ago, and Kaylin Shukagan handily won the fight. And I really didn't expect any change in Maya's game plan here. And I was right. Kaylin Shukagan fought her fight. Uh, but it was. It was far more aggressive than usual. I'll give her that. A lot of people weren't expecting this fight to be very exciting, but uh, we, we saw a lot of damage just out by uh, Kaylin Shukagan this time. So that was pretty cool to see from her. It's the last fight on her contract. I don't know if the UC will keep her because she does kill off a lot of contenders, but uh, wherever she ends up, she's going to succeed and she's going to be in the top three of any division. Yeah, I, I think the UFC would keep her on, as you mentioned there. Uh, I feel like the UFC needs, you know, fighters like her to, you know, really test, you know, these prospects. But as you mentioned, uh, she's she's beaten them. So, you know, if you look at that, if you're the UFC and you're like, do we want to keep her because she keeps beating them? Uh, but yeah, as you mentioned there, she can't get look good against Maya. And as you mentioned, it was, you know, less than two years ago when these first fought. And, you know, it was style. This this was going to happen. And we knew it was going to happen. And Shikagan put on a fantastic performance. And uh, I'm impressed to see her, you know, move on in the uh, ladder and see, and as you mentioned, the last fight on the deal. So it'll be interesting to see where she goes. I hope the USC re-signs her. But if not, you know, what we got, we've got Bellator. She can over there and have a good run as well. So. Yeah, somebody who's on a good run right now is Vyacheslav Borshev Slava Claus. This guy can fight and he can dance. He went out there against a very game Dakota Bush. I picked up Vyacheslav with a decent amount of confidence, but the way the fight was swinging, Bush was actually winning the fight. Bush got the takedowns, but uh, Borshev working at Team Alpha Male over there in California, he's been working on his get-up game and he showed it here. He got to his feet. And all he needed was the perfect body shot, just a single body shot. And uh, Bush folded over, and the fight was over. Borshev has legit power, and uh, he attacks a variety of areas. And this guy will be very effective against the right matchups. I mean, his striking is absolutely picture perfect. It's incredible. And we've seen that in his last fight against Chris Duncan on the, uh, the, the Contender Series. And, uh, you know, seeing the, Chris Duncan, uh, a good friend of, of the channel, he's been on the channel. Uh, we, we go back and forth in DMs. And seeing, you know, Borishev doing that to Duncan, who is a fantastic fighter, it, it, just, it just shows how good he is. And uh, he, he, yet again, he put himself on the map against Bush. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's, he's, he's patient. And when he picks his shots, they land and, you know, the opponents feel him, and uh, Bush did, just didn't want no more of that. It was a fantastic body shot. Yeah, Borshev was one of my favorite prospects coming out of the Contender Series, and uh, for for a prospect, he's he's fairly older. He's in his uh, early 30s, so he's got to get moving. I think he's going to get a lot of momentum after this win, and somebody else that got some momentum after a win was Bill Algio. He fought 
uh, a contender series prospect in Joe Anderson Brito. Brito was a sizable favorite. I picked him, but uh, man, I should have seen the writing on the wall here. This was not too uh, not too different from the Spike Carlisle matchup for Aljo. All he had to do was weather the storm from the heavy hitter and. He was able to secure the win here, and that's what he did with significantly higher volume. He landed twice as many strikes as uh, Brito, uh, but every strike that Brito landed did count, but uh, at the end of the day, Algio was just the busier fighter and won very decisively. Yeah, 100%, I agree. Uh, as you mentioned, they're quite similar to the Spike Carlisle fight where, the, you know, the first round is going to be a tough round uh, because they come out and they, they've got all that lactic acid uh, building up. But, you know, once they throw all their, you know, their strikes and uh, and, and they eventually gas out, you know, that's where Aljo really shines is, uh, you know, being durable, being able to take the shots, you know, being able to come in that second and third round. And Aljo, you know, did uh, what he had to do. And it was a good performance. And nice to see him moving up in the ladder in uh, the lightweight division. Yeah. And we'll move on to the middleweight division where Jamie Pickett, as an underdog that I picked, got a unanimous decision victory over the contender series alum and Dana White looking for a fight for a uh, alum, Joseph Holmes. Joseph Holmes, uh, he fought in the contender series. He got a submission, and Dana White still had not made his mind up about the guy. So he books him on looking for a fight. And even after he knocks his opponent out in quick fashion, the same opponent that Jamie Pickett knocked out in the contender series, he's still not sold on him. He actually has to ask James Krause if he's ready. And James Krause says he's ready, but let's be honest, I don't think he was ready. Ja Jamie Pickett just outclassed him. He tired him out with the clinch, and uh, he got a decisive unanimous decision using his experience advantage. Well, that was it. And when I was watching the, um, the Dana White look for a fight, uh, and seeing Dana White question if he was ready, you know, it's always it's always in the back of my mind. You know, does Dana White believe that he was ready? And, and you know, I, I feel like Dana White went off James Krause's word, and uh, James Krause said he was ready. Uh, but I feel like this is a massive, massive um, experience for Holmes. So I think he's going to learn. It was his UFC debut. Maybe there was some jitters involved with that, uh, and it was a. I feel like there's still a lot of positives he could take from this fight. It was a good fight. You know, he, he was in the fight the whole time, but he just didn't do enough. Yeah, and this is another quality win for Pickett after beating the the former welterweight. Um, I can't remember his name at that moment, but uh, we'll move on to the welterweight division here. Uh, Court McGee getting it done against Ramiz Brahimash, another underdog winning that I picked. Court McGee is uh, very, I would say he's not consistent, but when he uses veteran savvy, he tends to win these fights against these prospects. Ramiz Brahimash uh, is a BJJ guy, and when you can't take down, uh, when he couldn't take down his opponent here, he was just in a terrible spot. And Court McGee dominated this fight. This might have been the best performance of Court McGee's career. The guy knocked down Ramiz, and after that, he just kept him against the fence. And Brahimash had little to no offense. But that's it, as you mentioned there. That's what you know. We're, we're heading into a Court McGee fight. There's there's some things that you can guarantee, and that's him pushing up, pushing his opponent up against the fence. You know, we see it in most of his fights, and it, it always works. And as you mentioned, you got the knockdown. Uh, you know, I put some grappling in there, and just did Court McGee. Did you know, rolled back the years a little bit. Yeah, Court McGee is on a is on a really good run in his career. I didn't expect this out of him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if he uses his wrestling, he can go very far, but it's those fights where he doesn't wrestle, where he, uh, 
he tends to page such as the Ben Saunders fight and the Carlos Condit fight. Uh, we'll move on to Brian Kelleher's unanimous decision win over Kevin Kroom. I was so confident in this spot too uh, because uh, Kevin Kroom, he's a very exciting fighter to watch, a very fun personality, but at the end of the day, uh, he doesn't have the greatest guy's tank, and he, he's not excellent in any area really. And Brian Kelleher, uh, he definitely had the power edge here, even though he was a fighting guy up a weight class. Yeah, as you mentioned that Kevin Kroom, you know, he, he's been on the show. He's a fantastic personality, but he needs the right matchups. And I feel like the Brian Kelleher matchup was not the good match. I know he stepped in at short notice. So maybe he's looking back at that. And it wasn't a good idea. Maybe a full camp against, you know, not against Brian Kelleher sort of caliber fire, uh, a right matchup the UFC needs to take him into. Uh, but, you know, when he stepped in at short notice and he got that win against, um, it was a standing guillotine. It was, it was Roosevelt Roberts. There we go. And now Roosevelt Roberts, he, he, he recently got a release from the UFC and fought the other day. And I believe he won. Uh, but yeah, against Brian Kelleher, I, I knew this was going to happen. Uh, Brian, you know, Kevin Kroom, he's an exciting fighter. He's got a fantastic personality. Uh, but, you know, stepping in short notice against Brian Kelleher probably wasn't the best idea. Yeah, uh, and Brian Kelleher was simply ahead. I thought he would eventually get the submission against Kevin Kroom here, but uh, uh, we'll give Kevin Kroom that. He did survive those uh, guillotine attempts from Kelleher, which is always dangerous. And we'll move on to TJ Brown's unanimous decision victory over Charles Rosa. Man, James Krause was a very busy man this night. There were a lot of ups and downs for him, mostly downs. This was an up for him, though, as his guy TJ Brown got a fairly decisive unanimous decision win over Charles Rosa. Uh, he was a big favorite coming into this, and it's very easy to know why. TJ Brown was simply the better wrestler here in Charles Rosa. Even though he's been around the block, one thing you can cannot really say about the guy is that he has a good get-up game. He simply doesn't have a good get-up game. Sometimes he thinks he can get submissions that aren't there. That's what really happened here. TJ Brown was simply ahead, both on the feet and on the ground. Yeah, Charles Rosa before this fight signed a new deal with the UFC, I believe is a four-fight deal. Uh, but there's uh, I feel like this is um if you looked at Charles Rucker's record, he had a win, um, loss, win, loss, win. But this is the first time he's gone back to back losses, I believe. So TJ Brown broke the, the streak sort of thing. Uh, but as you mentioned, uh, his take his takedowns, his grappling, TJ Brown was uh, you know, the story of the fight. And he's also been on this show as well. He's also been on the MN channel. So it's great to see it's say guys uh, you know doing their thing and the TJ Brown man, his wrestling was uh, the key for the victory. And as you mentioned, Charles Rosa just couldn't get up. Might have to get TJ Brown back on here after this. TJ Brown, is uh, he's finding great game plans these days. He was a little more reckless back in the day, but with the tutelage of James Krause, I mean, he, fights, he fights the right way. And, uh, yeah, I think found a lot more success in the featherweight division. Yeah, James Krause is a fantastic fighter, but he's an even better coach, i got to believe. Yeah, he just stayed stated that his next fight will be his last. Oh, wow. I, I did not know that. And it, so it'd be sad to see him go, but I feel like he's uh, at the point of his career where he wants to probably concentrate more on his coaching. Yeah, and if he, and if he retires, it would be uh, it would be on a hell of a run. Only one loss in like his last seven. And it was it was a controversial uh, loss to Giles. Yeah, 100 percent. Well, we've got a fantastic uh, pay-per-view to talk about. And that's UFC 270. Oh, my goodness. We're in for a treat. We've got the heavyweights at the top of the heavyweights at the top of the card for the uh, title, heavyweight title of the world. A Garnu versus Garn, uh, former training partners. But uh, we were talking before the show. 
uh, in Ghana revealed they only trained six rounds or something like that. So they weren't always training together. So it's interesting to see what actually happens in this fight. Uh, we were talking before and we said all the videos, all that sparring videos, it goes out the window because they've got 25 minutes to win the fight. And we're going to find out who the better man is uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, I would I would, uh, I would, agree. I really think that this is a pick on fight. I can't, honestly, even though I'm picking Cyril Ghan to win by mm. unanimous decision as of this yeah. moment, Francis Ngannou just needs one. He really needs one. If you've seen any of Francis's fight, the guy is a human wrecking ball. His combination of speed and ferocious power is a danger to any man on this planet. That's why he's the heavyweight champion as we speak. And Sergon is the interim champion. And Gon is 10-0, never lost. And he's fought power punchers in two of his last three matchups. And he's walked out fairly unscathed. Derek Lewis landed like 13 strikes on him. He outclassed Derek Lewis, which Derek Lewis does have a win over in Francis. Just let me remind you. And then before that, <laughs> he fought Volkov. Volkov is like one of the most technical strikers we've seen. He was destroying Derek Lewis before uh, he got knocked out. Uh, just a very solidified guy in the division. I actually picked Volkov to win. I thought is more he had more experience in the MMA game. He would win. Gone outpoints him and wins the fight. And that's when I really got sold on Gone. And that's how we earned the title shot. Before that, he fights Jarzinho, which Francis beat as well. And, man, Jarzinho um, fought a terrible fight. But at the end of the day, Gon has fought power punchers, and he survived. And I think he can do that against Francis here. Will he get clipped at least once in this fight? I guarantee it. I think Francis is just too dangerous. But nothing really points to me telling me that Cyril Gon has durability issues. Which, by the way, you 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 can be the most durable guy on earth. Francis probably can still put you out, as he proved in the Stipe fight. But at the end of the day, I think Gon's footwork, and he's he's just going to be elusive enough to to survive, man. I think I think after Francis goes through two rounds of uh, just intimidating Gon, I think Gon's going to open up more as the fight goes. He's going to score those points, and uh, could he find a finish? Maybe, but. I will pick on when this by decision, but with no real confidence, I would hate to bet this fight. Yeah, I agree. I'm also going to go with the Garn, you know, decision. Uh, you were saying that, you know, Garn, it takes one shot for him. He's got 25 minutes uh, to land a shot that takes two seconds to go for his, you know, from his um his hand to, to, to the opponent's face. It takes two seconds. So he's got 25 minutes to land that one kind of shot. And uh, the longer the fight goes on, you know, the, the the opportunity goes uh, less. I said the opportunity goes less because you know he's, he's probably more tired. Uh, but the thing is with Garn, if he gets in Garnu hurt, I, I feel like he should not rush in. He, don't get overzealous. Uh, we've seen it in the, we've seen him uh, being patient in the past, and I feel like it's the exact same game plan. If he gets in Garnu hurt, he clips him with a good punch. Don't jump in for for the finish. He's got twenty five minutes to win this fight. And uh, the best way to beat Ngannou is take him the distance and, uh, you know, tire him out. And I feel like the technique of Garn is just, just too great for, for Ngannou. We've seen it. Uh, if Rose's strike was built like Garn, I, I feel like Rose's strike had a good good chance in that fight, but he just took a really big shot. Uh, Ngannou, though, we, we know how good he is. We, we, he's got that big bomb of a right hand. And uh, as I mentioned, it just takes one shot. Uh, you can never bet against Ngannou uh, I, you know, because 
it just takes it just takes one shot. Uh, he he would probably be a gambler's heartbreak dream, honestly. Uh, but yeah. gone. I'm gonna go with Garn UD. I see him outpointing Engarnu using his technique. Um, if he does clip Engarnu, staying at distance, he stays at distance. He doesn't jump in. Uh, that's what I would do if I was Garn. Yeah, a very interesting thing here is that Garn does have Francis's coach, former coach. Fernand Lopez on his side. Fernand knows Francis very well. He knows all his tendencies. And uh, I'm sure that he's come together to make the perfect game plan for that fight. Um, and I think I think it's just going to be enough. But uh, betting this fight, as you said, uh, it would make me sweat bullets if I bet on uh, uh, on Serogan here. But also, if I bet on Nganu, I could also be a little angry at myself because uh, Serogan is super elusive. And uh, he uses movement very well. And, uh, yeah, I, one of these days, Gan will get caught. But uh, I, I don't really think it will be this time around. And uh, let, let's touch on the outside stakes here for Francis Ngannou. This has been a huge conversation piece. Francis Ngannou is clearly not happy with his contract situation. He did not renew his contract before this. And the Francis has his relationship with the UFC is in a really tough spot here. He wants to fight Tyson Fury. I don't think they'll let him. He'll lose so much negotiating power if he loses this fight. There's so much online here for Francis. How do you think it impacts this fight? Yeah, I, I feel like MMA and Ngannou is the perfect fit for each other. Uh, I, I feel like if Ngannou does switch over to you know Tyson Fury, uh, you know the boxing world, I, I just don't see it going well for Ngannou. Um, if he does come up against the likes of Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, uh, you know, Dillian White, Anthony Joshua, I I'm sorry to say, but, you know, they've, they've been dedicating all their life uh, to, to be a boxer, an actual boxer, uh, and Garni's dedicated his life to defend takedowns because he's a big power puncher. So I just don't see it going well for Garni switching over to box, uh, boxing. But, you know, crazier things have happened, and uh, Garni wants what he wants, and if he does win this fight, I guarantee you he goes over to boxing. And uh, he loses uh, whoever he takes on, whoever he takes on, you know, Dillian White or anyone like that. I guarantee he loses. Uh, what What do you think of Francis's future looks like? What's your pick for this fight? Uh, I got I got gone unanimous decision, and then that means he's uh, if if Ngannou wins this fight, he gets another fight. I think uh, Dana White said because you know the champion's clause or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, but I think Gone wins this fight, and then that means Ngannou's out of contract uh, with the UFC. But then he's on a loss. So Tyson Fury won't look at him because he's on the loss. And as you mentioned, the negotiation, uh, he, he won't be able to have a lot of power uh, if he wants to fight Tyson Fury. In my personal opinion, I think Francis will lose this fight. And I think he'll go to where it appears that Kayla Harrison is going to go. She's gonna, he's going to go to the PFL. The PFL <laughs> gives you a guaranteed million dollars. And Francis Ngannou has just been complaining that he's only been paid half a million dollars. In his last fight, so if you want to guarantee guarantee double of that, and that that's only for one fight, that doesn't even include the fights before the final. I think that's the spot for Francis. I really believe that Francis would steamroll that entire scene there in PFL, and uh, I really cannot wait for this fight because the stakes are so high. The the stress heading into a heavyweight title fight is like not nothing else, nothing else. Yeah, but. If the US, if I'm if if Ghani wins or loses, and if I'm the UFC, I pull my finger out of my ass, I, and I, I give Ngannou what he wants because 
if you th these are the two you have two fighters in the heavy division that can have a trilogy like we've seen with Stipe and uh, DC. Th these they're, they're young, uh, young, but Gone is youngish. He's, he's older than Gone, but Gone is still you know he's still young. We're, we're not. I feel like this is probably the best trilogy we'll see in heavyweight. Uh, history, if it does happen, uh, but you know, the UFC needs to make it happen to give Ngani the right money. But if Ngani loses this one, I, I, I don't know what's next. Uh, yeah. maybe he wants to re sign with the UFC because he wants to get one back over Gone. I mean, we don't know. Yeah, I also address the fact that this may be the greatest heavyweight matchup in UFC history. Yeah. We're talking about the best power puncher we've ever seen step foot into the octagon, and we're talking about the guy. Maybe the most technical heavyweight striker we've seen. This is this is a fantastic matchup. Can't wait for it. Uh, one of two title fights on this card. The second title fight is the flyweight title fight. And this is a trilogy. Brandon Moreno is defending his title against Davis and Figueredo. These guys have a storied past. The first fight, both men took it on three weeks' notice. And it was a draw. Uh, had it not been for the point deduction in the third round, Brandon Moreno would have lost that fight to Davison. And they run it back um, of, in June of last year. And Brandon Moreno dominates. Uh, and Davison does not look like himself at all. And he gets a third-round rear naked choke. And that's why we're seeing Brandon Moreno as a minus-180 favorite here. Do you agree with him being the favorite? I do. I think Brandon Moreno uh, wins the trilogy. Uh, we've seen it in his last fight, and you know, Figgy you know, losing. Uh, and you know, I just don't see Figueredo fitting well at 125 pounds. He's too big. Uh, I think that weight cut severely compromises his performance, and I feel like we're going to see the same situation here. I feel like this is the last time we see Figueredo at 125 pounds, uh, and he moves up to 135 pounds. But I think Brandon Moreno gets this one done. Uh, I feel like everyone's uh, he is the favorite, but I still he, I still see a lot of people sleeping on him, but. Uh, I, I feel like it's going to go the judges' scorecards, uh, but it's going to be, you know, uh, towards Moreno's side, uh, you know, getting the win on the scorecards. But, you know, Moreno is a different animal on the ground, and we could see a submission once again. Yeah, the way, the cut to flyweight has never been easy for Davison, and it definitely affected him in both of the Brandon Moreno fights here. And I think uh, it will rear its ugly head here, but. It will be after Davison has secured three rounds. That's what I truly believe. I think Davison has made the right moves. Usually, if a fighter moves their camp after they lose the belt, it's usually a red flag. That's it's a red flag right now with Amanda Nunes. But uh, call me dumb or whatever. But I, I think Davison is actually making the right move. With Henderson, he went to the right camp here. He's not going to any camp. He's going to the camp where Brandon Moreno has trained before with Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo knows Brandon very well. And I feel like Henry Cejudo, Erica Barracine, Eddie Cha, those guys that fight ready MMA, they know what they're doing because we saw it in the Zhang Wei Li fight. Zhang Wei Li had never really gone out to wrestle. And what does she do? She wrestles Rose, and in my opinion, she won that fight. And I think Davison has the tools to beat Brandon Moreno. As we saw in the first fight, he... In my opinion, he did beat him that night. I think with the right adjustments, Davison can win this fight. But it's all about how does he tire uh, after the effects of the weight cut. So it's going to be a very competitive fight, probably a split decision. But at the end of the day, I think Davison wins a close split decision win here and gets his belt back. 
Yeah, hundred percent. You know the power of Figueiredo. You know we talked about Ngannou and the uh, Figueiredo, one hundred twenty-five pounds. He can put anyone's lights out. We saw it with Joseph Benavides. Uh, the horrific scenes of him getting choked out. That was probably the most vicious fight I've ever seen in, yeah. in inside the UFC. It, it was just wasn't good to see someone like Joseph Benavides, a legend, uh, a guy who's always missed out on the belt. You know, go out like that. It was it, it was not very good. Uh, but yeah, Figueiredo could be the best fight in one fight, and but. You know, I just feel like that cut to £125 just uh, compromises performance. I think £135 is, the, the you know, the the division for Figueiredo. And uh, I feel like that's where we'll see him shine. And if he goes up to £135, you know, that, that, that division is stacked. And uh, he'll be able to, you know, get some good matches up there. Uh, but I, feel, I see Brandon Moreno uh, winning the belt and uh, continuing his legacy as the flyweight champion. But he's got a lot of contenders up and coming. He's got Asuka Asgrove, uh coming for his belt. Man, we're... We, we just wrapped up the two toughest matchups along the card because those fights can go either way. I really am telling you that I'm not confident on those picks, but I'll talk about a fight that I am a little more confident on. Michelle Pajeda is fighting the debuting Andre Fialio. Andre Fialio, best known for his KO over James Vick after James Vick left the UFC. Honestly, that's a gimme at this point. James Vick, historically one of those chinny fighters we've ever seen. And uh, Pajeda, on the other hand, is a madman. This guy, uh, even though he's controlled it a little bit, we still see glimpses of the of the old wild style that somehow cost him a loss to uh, Tristan o Tristan Connolly back in the day. So Pajeda, um, Pajeda is a very good fighter, but uh, sometimes he doesn't exactly fight the way he needs to to show it, and uh, it's hard to trust him, but. I'm going to trust him here against Andre Fialio. Andre Fialio does not have the best resume. Sure, he beat uh, Stefan Sakilic, who got released last year. But uh, I'm not entirely sold on him. I know for a fact that he's a good wrestler. But he usually looks to land those uh, knockout blows instead. I've heard stories of him taking down DC, Luke Rockhold in the gym at AKA a couple times. But uh, it's really not how he fights here. And if he doesn't fight that way, Pajeda will... Just outpoint him on the feet like he did to Chaos Williams and Nico Price here. But don't get me wrong, Pajeda does cut a lot of weight. And Fialio in that third round could land the finishing blow. But at the end of the day, I think Pajeda probably wins this one by unanimous decision. Well, you were talking about Fialio and he and his wrestling. Tristan Cullen was wrestling, and uh, you know, he won the fight, uh, but he didn't use his wrestling. It was just Michelle Pierre, you know, doing his wild stuff. I, I believe that. Was his debut, uh, or was it after his debut? Where uh, yeah, and Zero says, says, Stop talking, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, Michelle Pierre after his debut, uh, you know, fought Tristan Connolly, and uh, you know, he just gassed himself out. And we've never seen the same Michelle Pierre after that. He's been more, you know, made more, more patient, he's picking his shots. Uh, I feel like we're going to see the exact same uh, Michelle Pierre in this one. And uh, Andre Filio stepping at short notice against one of the toughest matchups, I'd say, at welterweight, you know, stepping in against you know, the tricky, unorthodox Michelle Pierre. Uh, he's definitely put his uh, um, put his uh, hard work. Uh, he's got hard work in store for him. Uh, as you mentioned about Fiello, he's wrestling. Uh, you know the, the rumors of taking down DC Luke Rockhold. That's how he wins this fight. He goes into round one. And he tries to get that wrestling, uh, you know, into play early because if he gets it into early, Michel Pierre won't be the same fighter he is in round one, round two, and three. If he gets the wrestling done in uh, in the early rounds, yeah, it's definitely a competitive matchup as is Cody Stamen versus Saeed Nurmagomedov. A lot of people are automatically picking Saeed here 
because they just see the last name and they assume he's some dominant Russian wrestler. That's not the case here. This guy trains uh, at at Zabit's team over there with Mark Henry, and he's a fantastic striker. And he showed it in many occasions, including the knockout against Mark Striegel in the first round. This guy's a fantastic striker. His wrestling is very good as well but here, but it's very obvious to me that Cody Stamen is the better wrestler here. Cody Stamen, of course, coming off a tough loss to Marab Tavalisvili, another excellent wrestler. Uh, that was just a mad, bad matchup for him. Um, but Cody Stamen has got some solid wins on his resume. Guys like uh, Brian Kelleher. And I, I think he, he's got the style to beat Saeed here. Saeed's a big favorite here, and I don't agree with it. I think uh, Saeed has very flashy striking and uh, throws a lot of kicks. That's going to open up opportunities for Cody to get takedowns. I think he gets enough control time here to sway the judges in a close fight. I think Cody Stamen wins a split decision. You listed a really good point there. You know, if you look at his last, last name, Numagomedov, you're thinking he's got to be a fantastic wrestler. But it's the opposite. He's a fantastic striker. It's weird, but... But what I can guarantee you is he, he probably knows the how to wrestle. And as you mentioned there, Cody Stamman is the better wrestler. Uh, Nurmagomedov hasn't really showed his wrestling, uh, but he just showed his striking. He's, he's really good at striking. Uh, and uh, Cody Stamman has, you know, the the style to beat Nurmagomedov. It feels weird to say that. It feels it's, it's strange to say that someone has a style to beat Nurmagomedov by wrestling. Uh, I, I never thought I'd ever say that. It, it's incredible. Uh Stamman has that, you know, that, that, that durability takes a lot. We saw his heart. I think it was in the Marab fight. Yeah, yeah. That He actually did secure that third round of the fight, which is very hard to do yeah. against Marab Tavashvili. Uh, Cody Stamman is is a tough guy, man. And uh, this is going to be a tougher fight than Saeed probably thinks it will be. Saeed is not, uh, he doesn't have the flawless record like most of the, most of the guys in Habib's camp. This guy's actually been beaten before, and in the UFC, it was Hayoni Barcelos who defeated him by decision. And how did he do it? He out-wrestled him here. And I actually believe that Stamen is just a good wrestler as Barcelos here. So I think he I think he has a skill set to, to pull it off here. And uh that might surprise a lot of people, but uh I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna pick the underdog here to win. I'm going to go with Numagomedov in this one. Uh, I see him learning from his mistakes against Barcelos and uh, being able to, you know, defend the takedowns. Obviously, Cody Stamen's going to go in there in that first round and hunt for that takedown. I guarantee that uh, because if he gets that takedown in that round one, he, you know, he banks himself around and then the second and third round, Numagomedov is not going to be the same fighter. Uh, but I see Numagomedov being able to defend the takedowns and... Uh, not, I don't, I don't see him getting a finish because, as I mentioned, Stamman, you know, he's he's a durable fighter and he can take a lot of shots. And uh, I feel like it's going to be a, a split decision, but I'm going to go with Numaga made off the other way. All right, uh, that's going to be our "Told You So" fight of the week, and we'll <laughs> move on to the main card opener: Adolfo Vieira versus Wellington Terman. Uh, it's kind of a testament that this card is not the craziest card out there. That this fight is some opening card, but nonetheless, we're talking about. Maybe the best BJJ practitioner in the UFC, Hidalfo Vieira. He's back and he's fighting Terman, who just beat Sam Alvey. And let's be honest, that was not the most impressive performance out there. Alvey, historically, on one of the one of the uh, worst skids in UFC history, and he's having a competitive fight with him. So, um, it, this is this is not the easiest matchup for Hidalfo Vieira, but realistically, he could very well tap him. But uh, 
Don't get me wrong, Terman is actually a black belt himself. He's a very competent grappler here, but if Yer snatches up a limb or whatever, he probably gets it, but I'll pick the guy who can fight for 15 minutes. I'll pick him. He's an underdog here, and after that first round, Vieira is not the same fighter. Uh, even, even if he doesn't go for takedowns and tire, some, tire himself up with grappling like he did with uh, Dustin Stolfus, uh, it's not pretty. He's very predictable, just one, two, sticking out a jab out there. I think Terman has a more uh, diverse attacks when it comes to the stand-up. And I think uh, Vieira is still scared. In this last fight with uh, Dustin Stolfus, you saw concern on his face for the whole fight because he was worried about getting tired. And Stolfus is just not a good enough fighter to take advantage of that. I think Terman uh, probably is. He's a better grappler than Stolzfus. And, uh, yeah, I, th I think Terman probably beats him up after the first round. Yeah, I think I agree with you on this one. I think Vieira, as you mentioned there, after the first round, after he tried to get that submission, uh, you know, going all out for it, I feel like yeah, the second or third round, he's just not, you know, the same fighter. And as you mentioned, his last fight, he was worried about gassing. And I feel like we're going to see him be a little bit more confident in this one, but still, you know, gassing himself out after Terman survives uh, the grappling. Uh, I mean, it's going to be hard for him to survive against a guy like Vieira. He's, he's a fantastic grappler. Uh, we've seen it in the we've seen it in the past, but you know, but he, then he got submitted by Anthony Fluffy Hernandez, and one of the biggest shocks and in, um, in the UFC it was incredible. Uh, I don't see Terman being able to submit uh, submit Vieira, but as I mentioned, we've seen crazy things happen. Fluffy Hernandez submitted him. Uh, once he gasses, he's not the fighter that he is. And uh, he's definitely going to gas in this fight. And Terman's going to take over in the second and third round. Yeah, I believe that Terman wins the decision here. Vieira just can't sustain the pace that he can in the first round for the 15 minutes. And even though uh, Terman did not look excellent against Sam Alvey, he can fight well for 15 minutes. And that's what's necessary to beat Adolfo. And we'll move on to the prelim headliner. This card should be on the, on the main main card this uh, this fight right here is so exciting do i think it's going to be a competitive fight not really hence why we have Taporia and minus 600 i think this is a fantastic matchup for Taporia. i think Taporia could fight with a dumb game plan and still win this fight that's how good i think Taporia is i think Taporia finds himself in the top five of this division and i can't say the same for charles jordan jordan is still a developing fighter. Sure, he looked like a beast against Ewell. Ewell is uh, definitely a step down from uh, Taporia. Jordan, uh, it wasn't too long ago when he got submitted by, uh, who was it? Um, the name is slipping me at this moment. He, he was submitted in the second round by, uh, by a tough vet out there. And realistically, he should have won that fight, but he didn't. I think Taporia is way better than that vet. That I, I can't remember at the moment, but uh, I think Taporia gets gets a finish here however he wants to. He can get a quick knockout here. He can get a submission here, and I think he'll get a submission after he tags Jordan in the second round. This is going to be a great highlight reel for Taporia. Juliana Rosa is the name you're Juliana Rosa. Yes, there we go. Yeah, but I pretty much agree with you. Yeah, we see um, Ilya took. To to prove you, uh, I struggle with names. But Ilya, I'm gonna call him Ilya. Uh, in his last fight against Ryan Hall, uh, one of the weirdest fights that I've seen in the history of uh, mixed martial arts. It was crazy. Uh, Ryan Hall, you know, doing his, 
I can't even describe what he was doing because he's, he's too advanced. But he was doing, you know, his little roly polies and looking for them, you know, the legs. Uh, it was crazy. But to, uh, to Ilya just needed that one big bomb. He's got heavy hands and he's a fantastic wrestler as well, which is crazy. Uh, he hasn't showed that the wrestling as much, but he's, you know, he's been knocking the guys out. And I feel like this is a, another good opportunity for him to showcase his, uh, his striking. And I think Jordan, as you mentioned, looked good against Andre Uwell. But this is a massive, massive step up in competition. Yeah, Jordan has been a huge favorite against many opponents. And he has competitive fights with them still. And we're talking about UFC newcomers or guys very low in the rankings. We're talking Marcelo Rojo, Josh Kulabal. These guys are very low in the rankings. And Taporia is on the outskirts of the top 15. And uh, he's just 23. This guy is already an excellent fighter, and he's just 23. He's only going to get better. And I think he'll crack in the top 15 here with uh, the performance for the night uh, finish here of Charles Jordan. I agree. I agree. Uh, what a savage Jordan is, you know, stepping at short notice. That, you know, not a lot of people want this fight uh, against Ilya, and he stepped in at short notice. He's an absolute savage. And uh, maybe I, I talked about Crewman, you know, not. Not probably the best idea to accept this fight. I feel like Jordan would look at this one as well uh, and probably be like, it wasn't the best option, but, you know, it, you know, his experience. Uh, he gets a test himself, gets best in the world. He lets he, he gets it. It tells himself where he's at in the world, but I, I don't see him winning this one. Yeah. And uh, I, honestly, another guy coming in here. Or, originally, this was on short notice, but it's got rescheduled twice. I don't think uh, Victor Henry is going to be able to beat how many Barcelos here. This is kind of the same situation. Another guy on the outskirts of the top 15 as a huge favorite here. And he's finding a guy that he's better at in every category. Um, Quite honestly, Jaime Barcelos is a great fighter. He was on a six or seven fight win streak before he lost to Timur Valley. I feel like that was a fight where he could have won if he fought the right way. But he was just very low output. I don't know what was up with him that night. But uh, he did get two knockdowns in that second round. You could have scored that at 10-8. So in, in my book, it was a draw. But uh, nonetheless, he's fronting guy here in Henry, who should have been in the UFC a while ago. If you look at a guy with a record that good, 21-5, should have been in the UFC a while ago after he beat Kyler Phillips, of all people, who people think the world of. So that lets you know how advanced Victor Henry is. He's a well-rounded guy. He's got legit power in his hands. He's a good wrestler, not not bad at BJJ here, but at the end of the day here, I think Barcelos hasn't beat wherever this fight takes place, and uh, I think Barcelos probably looks to uh, look look probably looks to strike here, maybe get a knockout, but at the end of the day, I think he'd have classism for 15 minutes. Wins a unanimous decision here. I don't think it'll be good, too competitive. Yeah, I agree with you. You mentioned outclass, and that's that, that, That's where I see uh, uh, Barcelos. He's going to outclass Henry in this one. Uh, you know, if Henry stepping in, well, we originally was stepping in at short notice against, you know, one of the a, a tough fighters at 100, 135 pounds. And uh, as you mentioned, he's on the bridge of the fi uh, top 15, uh, recently dropped out of the rankings, I do believe. And if But if you're on the edge of the rankings at 135 pounds, you're doing something right because that division is absolutely rammed with talent. Uh you could be in the top 20, but be, you know, be a fantastic elite fighter. It's it, it just 135 pounds at the moment is uh, probably the most stacked we've ever seen it. And uh, running Barcelos, as you mentioned, against his last fight, his team of value didn't look great. Uh, but I feel like this is a performance. This is a good matchup for him. Uh, better than, as you mentioned, better than Henry in every 
everywhere in the fight goes. Uh, I feel like Barcelos won't end this fight. I feel like it's going to go to the scorecards. Yeah, I agree with you. And we'll move on to uh, a huge string of uh, of Contender Series debutants. There were five people debuting for the Contender Series in this fight. And um, if you didn't watch the Contender Series, you probably don't know who these people are. But believe me, they're, they're legit, man. They're legit. And uh, one of them is Michael Morales. He's very young. I believe he's just 22, 23. And he's from uh, Ecuador, Marlon Vera's stomping grounds. And he's fighting Trevin Giles here. Uh, he's got a really good good record. He's undefeated, but his last opponent was the best opponent he had ever fought. Before that, he was fighting very questionable competition here. And um, he's fighting a guy in Giles who is a very, I would say, a very established UFC name. He's really never cracked the rankings. He's got really solid wins here. He took away Roman Delice's undefeated record. He's, uh, he beat James Cross, as we just said. Um, and I really think he's on a good run here um, in the UFC, but things didn't work out too well for him at middleweight, which is why he's going down a welterweight here. And I think he's going to perform even better at welterweight because I think he has a better frame for welterweight. He uses his size more. He, uses the, he has one of the best jabs in this welterweight division. And not only that, but he's got a great ground game here. And uh, Morales is a good wrestler here. I don't think he can get the takedowns here. And if he does go for too many, he might get his neck snatched up. At the end of the day, I'll, I really I really like Giles in this spot as an underdog. He's got much more experience and much more tools, I think. I think he should roll here. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Giles is going to get this one done. Giles is a fighter that's going to beat these guys that are up and coming, uh, take their O's. Uh, a fighter that's going to beat... You know, a prospect in years uh, years to come. Michael Morales has probably got a fantastic future ahead of him. Uh, but Giles beat, as you mentioned, beat the lads at uh, the Lidze, beat Bevon Lewis, and he beat James Cross as well. Uh, but it, when Trevor Giles loses, he get you know he either gets submitted or he, and we said in his last fight against um Drickus uh, Duplessis when he you know when uh, you know when he landed that big right and uh, got ground and pounded. It was a fantastic shot for you know fair play to uh, Drickus. Uh, but you know Marlon Morales. Uh, I was about to call him Marlon Morrison. Michael Mor- Morales is a, a a game opponent, but I see Trevor Giles uh, being the more experienced. He's been there, done it, and uh, I see him getting the win. Yeah, um, and we'll move on to Jack Della Madalena versus Pete Rodriguez. Both guys are making the UFC debut. I'm sure most people don't know both of these men. And um, this is another big favorite on the card. Della Maddalena is a fantastic striker. This guy has a really inspirational story. He lost his first two fights. He was an 0-2 fighter once in his career. People probably wrote him off at that point. But he has now gone on a 10-fight win streak. And, he, man, he's looked impressive the whole way. Um, And he, on the contenders, he's a fight. Andre Lusa, who is a Sanford MMA product, uh, one of Gabler Burns' main training partners, and he puts a beating on him. And that guy is a Nigerian. He's a powerhouse, legit knockout power. He eats all those shots, and he returns fire and hurts him bad. Delamondelena really impressed me on the contender series. And he's fighting a guy in Pete Rodriguez, who, in my opinion, does not belong in the UFC. Pete is only 4-0, and he turned pro back in 2020. In 2020, he turned pro after an extensive amateur career. And all four of his wins are in the Icon FC promotion, 
which uh, Jorge Masvidal is not a partner of. And uh, all of them are first-round knockouts. This is a guy who I believe should be in the LFA right now, maybe in Cage Wars, PFL, somewhere where you know, you're going to build up talent. Not in the UFC. I don't think this guy's ready. He's very unproven after the first round here. And Delamond Elena proved to me, proved himself to me in his last fight. So I really think after the first round, Delamond Elena will weather a storm. And I think he's going to put a beating on Rodriguez and get a second round finish. Yeah, I've got to agree with you there. Uh, if you look at the records that you know uh, Pete Rodriguez has fought, uh, two and two, zero and one, one and zero, and then his last fight was his best opponent, was, which was five and one. And uh, as you mentioned there, Jack Adela Mandalino, you know, he started off zero and two, one ten on the back, uh, very very experienced. Uh, you know, he he's had that O taken away from him, so he knows what it feels like. Uh, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have that pressure of losing the undefeated uh, record, but Pete Rodriguez is uh, kind of defending his uh his his record so a lot of pressure comes when you're undefeated uh, unless your name's Habib Nurmagomedov uh, everyone's going to lose that o uh, and i feel like this is Pete Rodriguez is uh, time to lose his o and uh, unfortunately it's going to have to be his debut but he's going to he's going to learn from this and as you mentioned he's probably shouldn't be in the UFC as of now he should be over at LFA. I think that's a fantastic promotion. It's a, a good feeder league into the UFC. I think LFA would be a perfect uh, opportunity for him right now. But the UFC take gambles, and uh, they've took a gamble on Pete Rodriguez, and we, we might be able to see... Who knows? He might be a champion in three years, four years, and uh, he might blow us away on, on Saturday night. But I think uh, the, the smart decision is to pick Ma a mandolino. Yeah, and that's why he's a huge favorite. Originally going to fight Lorley Alves on this card, who beat Colby Covington. So that lets you know uh, how high-level Jack is. And we'll move on to <clears throat> Tony Gravely versus Simon Oliveira. Simon Oliveira uh, fought on the Contender Series, and he won via split decision. And it was a very competitive fight. Simon, um, <clears throat> in my opinion, I don't even know if he won that fight, quite honestly. Because that fight was very close. He fought a guy in Jose Alde who um who wasn't the most high level fight uh fighter. And uh the whole time I I was thinking Dana White's not gonna give this guy a contract. He's not doing enough and eventually he gives him a contract. It's quite surprising here. And he's trying to guy in Tony Gravely, who's a big favorite here. Uh really good wrestler, serious power in his hands, uh kind of your typical wrestler boxer who will trick you with that overhand right. And that's what he did in his last fight to Nate Maness. In at the end of that first round, he put basically knocked out Nate Maness. He put him down, was landing the final uh, ground and pound shots, and the round ends. And Nate Maness was legitimately picked up by his corner and put on the stool. The guy has no idea where he is. I have no idea why the fight was not stopped right then and there. But in the second round. Um, Tony Gravely is gassed. He has his, his adrenaline dump. He gets all his takedowns stuffed, and he gets boxed up by Nate Maness and gets knocked out. So, realistically, Gravely should win this fight. He's the better uh, wrestler, probably the better striker. But uh, the problem here is he's not the most durable guy. He's got an awful gas tank. Uh, he's you know he relies on explosive movements. And uh, if Samen Oliveira counters him with the perfect shot, he could win here. Well, one thing mentioned here, Samen actually had 10 spinning backfist attempts in his contender series. The, the guy, I'll, I'll give him a break here. Uh, he was funny on the contender series where 
you know, you get rewarded for that kind of thing. But a reckless fighter on his own end, too. And that definitely leaves you open and get taken down here. So the pick here is gravely. But uh, don't get me wrong. The guy could gas and get brutally knocked out like he did against Nate Maness. Well, I, I'm going to go with Oliveira in this fight. If you look at Tony Gravely's, uh, you know, his record, if you look at the people he's lost to, you know, Manny Bermudez, Mirav really back in the day, Ricky Bandeos, uh, and obviously Pat, uh, Pat, Pat, Pat Zapatini. Uh, when he was uh, uh t- when he was two fights deep into his pro MMA career, uh, but if you look at how he's lost and against Brett Johns as well, he's been submitted. Uh, you know, every single one of them losses. And if you look at Oliveira, he's he's submission guy. And uh, I, I see, obviously Tony Gravely is he's, he's wrestling, uh, has really good wrestling. But you know, Oliveira, I see Oliveira catching him in, in a dart choke. Uh, I feel like um, as you mentioned there, ten backfists. That he threw in his last one, he's crazy. Uh, he, 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 you know what? You what you're gonna see in this one is he he doesn't he doesn't he's not patient. He doesn't let he doesn't uh, wait for it to come to him. He goes to he goes to the fight, and I feel like uh, he's just gonna throw everything in this one. Uh, uh, Tony Gravely's gonna try and wrestle, and I think Oliveira's gonna catch him with submission. Uh, the only time Tony Gravely. Um, has lost by TKO or KO, which he was in his last fight. Other than that, he's been submitted or lost a decision. I think he's been submitted five times and one yeah. TKO. So it's uh, Oliveira. The pick here is Oliveira's submission. Wow. Picking the other doc here. Uh, we'll move on to Silvana gomez Juarez versus Vanessa Demopoulos. This fight uh, was supposed to happen last week and uh, now got rebooked on this card. And uh, I think this is a very close fight. Both girls lost their UFC debut um, in fairly dominant fashion here. And um, I think the loser could get cut in the spot, quite honestly, because um, I feel like both women have huge flaws in their game here. Gomez Juarez is uh, 37. She's a really good boxer, but on the ground, she's got huge holes. And uh, Demopolis, really slick BJJ, but striking. She's not the best, and she's terrible. She's a terrible fighter defensively, quite honestly. She's gotten her face rearranged by uh, Lupita Godinez and Sam Hughes. So um, you really can't trust her not to get hit when it comes to striking here. And she's not a good wrestler either. So I think this is the right matchup for Gomez Juarez. I think Gomez Juarez can stuff those takedowns and uh, box her up here and get a fairly uh, lackluster unanimous decision win. Yeah, this is a pick'em. I, I, I feel like that's uh, how you would describe it. Pick'em. This could go either way. Yeah, if we see this on the ground, uh, Vanessa Demopoulos definitely could get an armbar, but uh, I, I don't. I don't know if she has the wrestling to take it there. Yeah, uh, th- this is a hard, fo- a hard fight for me to pick. I don't know if I'm confident of, of picking anyone in this one. Honestly, uh, one good thing about Gomez Juarez, she's actually only lost to UFC fighters. Uh, UFC caliber fighters. Uh, and most of them were actually outside of the UFC. Back in KSW, she lost to the Queen of Violence, Ariane Lipsky. She also lost to Pollyanna Botejo and Lupita Cadenas. Those are her losses. And uh, I don't know if Demopolis is on the caliber of those women. No, if that if Oscar thinks that, then you know that I feel like uh, everyone should listen to him. But I'm not going to make a pick in this one because honestly, I I, I don't know. Uh, it could go either way. All right, we'll move. We'll move on to Matt Frivola versus Gennaro Valdez. This is a very fascinating fight because <clears throat> realistically, Frivola should dominate this fight. I really think he should. But that's what I said about his fight with Terence McKinney. 
Terrence McKinney knocked him out in seven seconds. Was it the quickest KO in lightweight history? And um, he's finding guy Jannar Valdez, who's got serious power. He was a huge prospect coming into the Dana White's Contender Series. One of Brandon Moreno's main training partners. He was a minus 1,000 favorite in that fight. And he did not look like it at all in the fight. If you've seen that fight, it is one of the craziest fights in Contender Series history. Not just because of the fight itself. When his opponent, uh, Patrick White, I believe his name was, was walking to the ring, he forgot his mouthpiece in the back. We had to wait for the guy to get his mouthpiece. And it wasn't some high-quality mouthpiece. It was an awful mouthpiece. And it falls out constantly during the fight. And um, But here's the main thing. Valdez was expected to just start this guy, and he didn't. He got rocked himself. He was on skates. And both guys just uh, had a – they played rock'em, sock'em robots in there, and both men were very exhausted. But uh, Valdez, at the end of the day, recovered better and come that second round – uh, by the way, he lost the first round to Patrick White, who is an Alaska FC fighter. He fought all guys with losing records. Realistically, uh, Valdez should have won the fight but uh, um, in dominant fashion. But Valdez in the second round does get the knockout. But it was by the skin of his teeth. It was a very competitive fight. And Fravola is a guy who's gone to a draw with, with uh, man, why why am I blanking on his name right now? Is the guy that's gone uh, down. Lander Lan yeah, Lando Venant. That was Lando Venant was a great fighter, and he went to a draw with him. He beats Luis Pena. Uh, he's got really good wins. Uh, he one of his recent losses was to Armand Sarukin. Frivola is a really talented uh, mixed martial artist, but the problem is that chin is really bad, like really bad. We're talking, we can get knocked out in under ten seconds with a one-two bad. That's how bad we're talking here. And uh, Valdez is not a high-level fighter, but. I can't say he hits hard here, so that's a concern. But assuming Frivola doesn't get knocked out here, I think he dominates this and gets a uh, third-round submission. Well, that's it. You mentioned that. This, this is probably giving the same fight uh, when um, Valdez fought White in his last fight. I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a trade in that first round. Uh, as you mentioned, Rock and Sock and Robots. This is what we're going to uh, we're gonna go with it. Uh, you know, we've seen Matt Ferrola get starched in this last fight against Terence McKenney, and he's also been knocked out in the past against Polo Reyes. Uh, so as you mentioned, the chin is not all there for uh, Matt Ferrola. Uh, he's got he's got a great personality, steam train. Uh, he, you know, he lost gets Armin to Zukian, but you know, there's there's no shame in that loss. Uh, Armin is uh, top ten, uh, you know, in the world. So. He's gonna he's gonna do some good things. So he, he that one he can probably just set away. Uh, but he's beating these you know these tricky guys, these tricky long rangey guys in the division. Jalen Turner, you know Lewis, um, Luis Pena, these tricky long strikers. Uh, and this is a good test uh, for Valdez. And as you mentioned, a training partner of um, the champion Brandon Moreno fighting at the end of the card. So if Valdez, I believe. Uh, I, this, this is a tricky one, but I'm going to go... With, uh, I was going to pick Valdez there, but I'm going to change my pick back to Matt Favola. I think Matt Favola gets this one done. Uh, I'm going to go with Steam Train. All right, we'll move on to the opener of the fight card. Steam Roller. Kay, no. Yeah, Kay Hansen versus Jasmine. Wait for it. Jasavidius. Do not, do not quote me on that. Even John Anik is struggling with this name. Um... <clears throat> She's a Canadian 
She started her career late. She's 30, but she's got a very similar amount of experience as Kay Hansen. Uh, she started late. She she met up with this wrestling coach, and then she started training MMA. She's got, like, really no background besides that wrestling she learned in her MMA training, and she's used it very well in her contender series fight. <clears throat> she got a 10-8 round in the first round with a wrestling very dominant, but in the, in the second and third round, she definitely got cracked on the feet, but her wrestling did rescue here rescue her in that fight. Um, but she's fighting Kay Hansen. Kay Hansen has not fought in a very long time. She's actually been dealing with uh with eating disorders, apparently. Uh, and that's a very serious issue. Uh, and that's why she's moved up a weight class now. She doesn't want to deal with any more of that. So um she's always been one of the bigger one of the bigger star weights here, and I don't think she's undersized here. Uh, undersized against Jasmine. Jasmine is an inferior wrestler, an inferior grappler, and um, I, I think I really think that Jasmine probably gets a takedown at some point. And I think Kay Hansen is good enough to get an armbar off her back here. Uh, Jasmine just not experienced enough to avoid those submission attempts here against Kay Hansen, who submitted Jin Yufrey. Jin Yufrey is a far better fighter than uh, Jasmine, in my opinion. So I, I think uh, I really think that Kay Hansen can get it done here. But it is a concern that she's been out for a very long time. And uh, uh, assuming she's been working, trying to get better, I think she should win this fight. But uh, if it stays striking, that could be that could be a way for Jasmine to win. But as I noted in the contingency fight, she's not good defensively uh, striking. Yeah, if you look at um, Kay Hansen's losses, uh, she, she loses to the prospects that, you know, she lost against Erin um, Blanchfield in, in her last fight and she lost against um, Cora McKenna. Uh, I, I feel like, as you mentioned, I guess in your phrase, she got that triangle armbar and you mentioned triangle armbar. So maybe Oscar has just picked the actual move to finish the fight. Yeah, that's a, that's a real possibility. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu, you know, was made for the smaller people. It could definitely be an opening there for uh, for King Hanson to win here, uh, especially since Jasmine usually wants to drag fights to the ground. Uh, she's a she's a, I think she's a purple at the highest here. I, I don't think she's good enough to avoid the submissions uh, from Kay Hanson, which Kay Hanson, um, she loves to train you BJJ. She's one of the people that's uh, trains a lot of no gi too. I think uh, she should win this fight. Um, and as I mentioned, uh, Jasmine. Has um has a decent amount of experience. Uh, the one person we can say that she's finally a C roster is Elise Reed. Elise Reed uh beat her, but in my opinion, that was a bad decision. So you can argue that Jasmine's undefeated, but uh, this is definitely the toughest matchup she's had her whole career. And I think uh, Kay Hansen wins this fight by first yeah. round. I'll say first. Yeah, I'll say first round submission. First round submission. Up. Yeah, I'm gonna get a decision. I'm I'm never usually confident on betting uh, or, or or picking a, a women's fight to, to to get finished uh, unless you're like a, a Nunes, a Pena, Shevchenko. That's when I'm I'm confident. So I'm gonna go decision. Uh, but I'd love to see the card start off with a finish. I feel like it, um, it sets the tone uh, for the rest of the card, and uh, it's definitely a possibility that you know Kay Hansen gets the submission win. Uh, but I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go for a decision. Uh, maybe a split. Yeah, she's going to uh, – Kay Hansen's actually – she personally told Dana White that she wanted this fight moved to a week later. 
so she could fight in her hometown of Anaheim, California. So she's going to have extra motivation here. Um, and she's going to be kicking off this card, hopefully, with a win. And what a card it is. Headlined by Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Gunn for the Undisputed Heavyweight Championship. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for this card. Yeah, well, we're in store for a fantastic uh, night of fights. Uh, I'm sure they won't disappoint. And uh, j- j- if you just look at that, you know, the, that, that them two fights right there. Oh, my goodness. We are absolutely spoiled for choice. Uh, the rest of the card might not be, you know, the best, but them two fights alone. That, that, that That's what we're really tuned in for. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, this is exa- uh, when we talk about uh, double headers, double header title fight cards. Is that exactly what you want? The heavyweight title, unfortunately, we don't see it get defended that often. So whenever it happens, it's a big deal. And I feel like this is the biggest heavyweight title fight in a long time. I would say biggest since the the Steep ADC trilogy from 2020. What what a fantastic trilogy that is! Uh, I talked about it earlier. The UFC, you know, put their card, you know, put their cards right. We could see a fantastic trilogy between Ngannou and Gone, uh, but the UFC need to get the numbers right. And uh, I, I'm, ex- I'm I'm excited to see what happens. The co-main event has a lot of stakes in it, but the the main event, the stakes that is with this fight, it's incredible. Uh, the former training partners, uh, the coach, the UFC should pay. Uh, coach to Fernand Lopez. The UFC should pay him because he's hyped this up more than them. Yeah, the coach Ferdinand Lopez has gotten so many headlines around this fight. Chelsea has actually criticized uh, these two men for not promoting the fight enough between themselves, but you got to give all the props to uh, Coach Ferdinand. I feel like uh, uh, if Cyril wins, he should give like instead of 10%, if he's giving, he should give him like 12, 13%. Just for the kind of promotion he's put into this fight, a hundred percent, and I agree. Uh, but whatever happens, uh, we're going to get a def- definitive end. Who the better fighter is uh, on Saturday night? Uh, all the training videos, all, all that, the sparring videos, it goes out the window now. And uh, Saturday night, they've got twenty-five minutes to prove they are the better man, and uh, it can go twenty million different ways. Yeah, there's so many possibilities. I, I feel like whoever wins will be in a prime position to call out the greatest of all time, John Jones, for a <laughs> matchup possibly um, for Ish- International Fight Week. That would be a dream scenario. Could you imagine? Uh, the, I'd love to see John Jones come back. And uh, but Yeah. If John Jones did come back, I would prefer it to be against Ngannou. I, I don't know why. Yeah, 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 because we've never seen John lose. And to see John lose via knockout, that would be even crazier. So, of course, that's the matchup I prefer. But outside with Cyril Gunn, and, uh, and if John uses grappling, I'll tell you, John will be the heavyweight champ. But uh, we'll find that out hopefully later this year. Yep, 100%. Uh, that is another episode we might possibly talk about. Uh, but, yeah, this has been a fantastic episode. UFC 260, uh, 270, I mean, preview and the Kato versus Chikadze, uh recap. It was a fantastic event. Kato showed up. Uh, p- proved why he's w- one of the best in the world, and then we've got UFC 270, Ngani versus Gone, uh, Brandon Moreno versus uh, Devison Figueiredo. It's a fantastic event this weekend. I'm so excited, I can't wait. I'm sure you'll tune in. Any last words, Oscar? Yeah, I'm actually gonna be seeing this at the theater, so the the roar of the uh, of the crowd is gonna be really fun to be there for. I think it's gonna actually, be uh, at a theater, really like a cinema, yeah. 
at in a, in a movie theater. Yeah, it's what? really it's gonna be a really cool experience. I'll tell you how it was. I'll tell you if it's uh worth seeing. Yeah, that that, that seems cool. That doesn't happen over here. Uh, maybe it's too late for us, but uh, I don't think a lot of people would show up at four a.m. in the cinema. Oh, that that is true. That's a good point. Yeah, but yeah, that'd be a cool experience. Uh, I'd definitely like to see uh, talk about that next week. But yeah, uh, a very good bye for me and Oscar. We'll talk to you next week where we get to unfold everything that happened this weekend. Yeah.